morning is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm going to be reading from the message translation. The way he wants you to live. And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with your appreciation and love. Get along amongst yourselves, each of you doing your part. Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on, gently encourage the stragglers, and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. Be patient with each person, attentive to individual needs, and be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. Don't suppress the spirit and don't stifle those who have a word from the master. On the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what's good. Throw out everything tainted with evil. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, keep you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul and body. And keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. Friends, keep up your prayers for us. Greet all the Christians there with a holy embrace. And make sure this letter gets read to all the brothers and sisters. Don't leave anyone out. The amazing grace of Jesus Christ be with you. Father, we ask you to encourage us through your word today that um, we each might grow in our walk with you and our strength of faith in you. Amen. Well, it's great to see you. And um, friends, if you are new or relatively new to St. Paul's, can I just emphasize that uh, Welcome Supper meal a week tomorrow uh, will be a great opportunity to gather together and uh, uh, just hear some of the vision and values of St. Paul's. And um, uh, you simply come on the Monday evening at 7.30, come through the front door, turn left up the stairs. I think we're upstairs, and uh, we are. We come left up the stairs, and we will be uh, serving you a nice meal, and you'll meet some lovely people and um, uh, be able to make some new friends and hear a little bit, about, little bit more about the church. And, and I just want to say, if you've been coming a while and haven't been to one of those, you are also welcome. It's quite a good thing to come to. So... Um, do think about coming along, uh, uh, see me in the welcome area after the service uh, today. Uh, today also we welcome Richard Turner. Richard, just stand up. This is Richard. He is... No, I don't mean Turner, do I? Thomas. I mean, Richard Turner's on our staff, isn't he? Yeah, he's quite welcome as well, but he's not here yet. 
That's terrible to get that wrong, isn't it? Sorry, Rich. This is Richard Thomas. Richard is training to be a vicar, and he's at Ridley Hall, Cambridge, and he's here to do a month's placement to find out how not to do it. So that's really great. So he's here with us for a month. So if any of you want to invite this man round and put him right on a few things of what we do here, you're welcome to. You can get hold of him. He's staying with the Holdens this week, and then he's staying with Chris and Nell the next couple of weeks. So uh, do invite him round for some food and uh, encourage him. It's great to have you with us. So we're uh, at the end of a little series, aren't we, in Thessalonians. And um, uh, Paul has been encouraging this, uh, this, this fledgling church that he planted. You'll remember where we are. He's been, he went to Thessalonica, no followers of Christ. He, he spends, we know, from Acts of the Apostles... We know that he spends less than five weeks there. He's only there for three Sabbaths. In those five weeks, he sees uh, a small group of people converted to Christ and getting enthusiastic about what it means to live a life shaped by uh, the vision and values uh, of Jesus Christ. And that fledgling church that he planted began to grow. As he leaves, Paul has to exit quite quickly. As he leaves, the fledgling church begins to grow. And as the church grows, the church begins to have an impact, not just in its local community, but across the whole city. And as it has an impact on the whole city, persecution starts happening to the church. I find that extraordinary. It is extraordinary, isn't it? Christians around the world are... uh, taking the message of Christ to people, the message of Christ that, as Paul says at the end of this letter, he says, share the grace of God with everybody. Don't leave anybody out. The message of Christ that says there's hope in times of trial. There's, there's resurrection in times of, of difficulty. There's, there's a God who wants to walk alongside you. There's a God who's passed through death that will walk with you in that place of difficulty and give you new hope. And it's people who go with that message, which is extraordinary really, are being persecuted. I think that highlights for us there is a a spiritual battle that goes on uh, in the heavenlies that we need to be aware of the whole time. There's something that, that musters things against the message of God. And Paul has taken this message to the Thessalonians, and the Thessalonians have met this spiritual battle. And you'll remember at the beginning of the letter, he says this, he says, look, get your lives right with God. That's the most important thing you can do. Get your lives right with God. If you can, if you can get your lives right with God, um, then everything else falls into place. In another place it says, seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else will be added unto you. Seek seek God first. Jesus talks about it this way. He says, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. Then love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else then falls into place. It's extraordinary, isn't it? If we look at our lives, often it's everything else in our lives that comes in upon us that causes us um, anxiety and issues and, and problems. Everything else that that tumbles in on our lives. So we worry about so many things. And Jesus says, look, just put God first. Put other people second. Everything else will sort itself out. Paul in this letter says, 
Sort your faith out with God first. Get that right. And then he goes on, remember? And he says, and love everybody else. Look after people. Get the community of followers right. And then he goes on, you'll remember, he goes on about having hope in faith, hope in God and, and staying strong despite uh, persecution. And he talks about the, the importance of relationships uh, within the church and outside the church. And today he finishes the letter by saying it's not just about a faith in God and it's not just about uh, uh, looking after one another. But it's about um, living as an authentic community, living authentic lives that others might catch something of the gospel. I've sat with John Chalmers several times this week. And, you know, the hope of Christ is the most important thing that we can ever have in our lives. A faith in God. When all the chips are down, we need a faith in God. The thing is, when we drift along through life thinking everything's okay, <laughs> we're just going okay in life, we become quite, we can become, there is a danger of becoming, quite apathetic about faith. But the importance of having a deep-rooted, solid faith in God is so important. No one can take away the, the pain and the difficulty that our friend John is going through. But I am humbled by the strength of his hand held in his saviors. That that is the only way that we can get through an issue like that. And you know the best thing is to have your hand held firm in God's before you hit a crisis. That's what John's got. And, and, and it stands true now. And, and Paul's saying that. He's saying, look, have your hand firmly in the hand of your Savior. And then no matter what happens, no matter what comes your way, you will know God's presence with you at all times. And he finishes his letter today um, by saying this. He says, so dear brothers and sisters, Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. That's what we, we try to do that. That's what we try to do. We try to give you spiritual guidance. Honor, honor those amongst you who give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. I want to talk about three areas very briefly this morning. The first is this. We will create an atmosphere where people can find that hope in Christ, that place where their hand can stay tight in Christ's hand by being an authentic community. By being a community that reflects Christ in all that we are and all that we do. The second thing that he says, I think here, is in the light of that, being an authentic community, he says, be prayerful. Be a people of prayer. Be a people who are uh, daily 
uh, holding on to God's hand, who are daily in touch with God. And uh, I was at a celebration yesterday with my father's 80th birthday, and um, uh, when um, all the family were there, and, um, a, a member of my family was saying something or other about um, an issue, and they said, uh, I said, oh, I, I think I would... Uh, encourage God into that I'm not sure they're quite there with God and they said oh perhaps you could have a word with him about me tomorrow and I said well I could have a word with him about you now I mean you know we don't just pray on Sundays in church and she said oh you pray every day I said we pray every day and so I laid a hand on my sister-in-law and prayed for her I'm not sure she was so encouraged by it but that's what we do we can we, we're people of prayer all the time we're people of prayer the whole time let's pray all the time just pray just pray. I've only ever had one person refuse prayer from me in, in the whole of my... And I often say, can I pray for you? I'll pray for you. You know, I've, I've prayed for people on the golf course. I pray for one guy on the golf course, and I'll never forget that. I laid my hand on his leg. He was very worried. But I did pray for him. I was just praying for him. You know, just pray for anybody, anywhere. Bringing God in in prayer changes people's lives. That's the second thing he says. And the third thing he says, he says, be, never quench the spirit be Holy Spirit-led in your life. So those three things, I want to bring them out. Firstly, be authentic community. And he gives that series of statements, doesn't he? He says, warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, care for those who are weak, be patient with everyone, don't pay back evil for evil, always do good for good, and be joyful in everything. This is how to live your life. This is how to live an authentic community, uh, be authentic community. This is how we're to be with one another. This is how we're going to support and encourage one another. Live at peace, he says, first of all. You know, one of the greatest challenges, uh, one of the greatest callings of Christians is to live at peace with one another. To, to, to be one. You can understand it, can't you? When Paul is looking at a church that is being persecuted by others, he says, do you know, guys, one of the most important things is that you're one together. The, the theme of unity comes out. The church stands as one. And when you stand strong together, you can stand almost against anything. Because we stand as one, this is us. This is what we do. This is who we are. We are one together. Jesus came to bring peace. What did he say to the disciples after he was raised from the dead? He met the disciples and he says, he says, peace be with you. His first words to them, peace be with you. I want you to have peace in your life, to know something of the peace of God in your lives. It's a peace that changes troubled hearts, a peace that binds up the brokenhearted. It's a peace that offers freedom to captives. And it's not just captives of those in prison. It's a peace that offers freedom to those who find themselves captive of uh, uh, consumerism, to spending or eating or alcoholism or loneliness or any other habit that causes us difficulty in our lives. He says, I can bring you a peace. So many people don't have peace in their lives. In our country alone, uh, government statistics show that in 2009 and 10, an estimated 9.8 million working days were lost in this country through stress-related illness. We, li we, live, we live in a time, and I don't know, stress is a sort of word that people use quite a lot, isn't it, these days? Oh, I'm on, you know, it's, oh, so, everything's so stressful. I have a, 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 a 
people say it to me sometimes, oh, are you stressed? I'm thinking, I'm still not quite sure how to define that. What does that mean? I don't think I get stressed. I think I get tired and uh, grotty, but I'm not sure I get stressed. Others might disagree with you, me. My secretary particularly disagrees with me. I can see that by the look on her face at this moment. But, but there, there is... There, there, it, people suffer from stress. We do live in stressful times. We do live in stressful times. Uh, we carry the concerns of the world because of communication that we have now. You know, there's, there's issues, international issues of debt and conflict and huge humanitarian need. We come, carry some of that in our hearts, don't we? All the time. There's a conflict. All the time. Lynn's and I were having a long discussion yesterday morning. And uh, uh, we were talking about, uh, doing our Bible readings, and we were talking about what are, what are the uh, images that we have, what are the things we set up, the idols we set up that, that, that take our focus away from God. And we were having that discussion, you know. She said to me, I, she said, I think it might be your iPhone. I think she was having a little dig at me because, you know, she sees me on my phone all the time. In fact, this morning I was having breakfast and she emailed me from the bedroom to the kitchen. So I replied back. We had a full conversation via email up and down the stairs. I went upstairs and I said, that's a bit ridiculous. She said, oh, no, but I can definitely get your, I'll get your, your uh, um, attention if I email you. So that's okay. So we had this email conversation this morning. But I said to her, I said, I, said, I don't think, um, you know, um, uh, that sort of thing. I think that's a distraction, but I'm not sure it's an idol. So I think probably the biggest idol we have, we have as a family, maybe others have, is often your default is we seek our own comfort rather than seeking to live the gospel fully. What, is it, what does that mean? What does that mean when we go shopping? What does that mean when we switch a light on or off? What does that mean when we have extra heating rather than a jumper? What does that mean when we, we, we choose the easy route rather than the hard route? The idol of, of comfort. There's, we live with all of that, don't we? When we live with the understanding of there's huge humanitarian need out there, what does that mean for our lives? People are stressed about their pensions, whether they're going to get one or not. Stress means that people are not at rest. Jesus came that we would know peace. Paul found it, didn't he? Paul says, I, I found contentment in all circumstances. Whatever happens, whatever's coming upon me, he says, there is something within me that is at rest. There's something within me that is at peace. There's something within me that transcends all of this. They can do all of this to me, but they can't take that away from me. And it's not just peace for the individual. Christ offers peace for all mankind. Don't leave anyone out, Paul says. This is for all people. God so loved the world that he uh, died that everybody might know the good news of Christ. And Paul encourages the Thessalonian church here. He says, live at peace with one another. But he doesn't just say that. He says, warn those who are lazy. We only get one life, don't we? So we all have, and we've all got something to contribute. There's always something more that we can do to help someone else. The thing about being lazy is we become self-centered. And we miss out on the satisfaction that comes when we serve other people. When we live a life that gives our lives away to others. Service, I think, is one of the greatest hidden treasures that we have. 
You know, that when we serve another person, we are helping them, but we're also helping ourselves. We don't do it to help ourselves, we do it to help them. But in doing so, we ourselves find something of peace and satisfaction in our lives. Those who are being lazy miss out on that. They miss out on the satisfaction of life and the joy that comes from that when we serve others. I don't think there's room really in life for couch potatoes. I don't think there's room to go, I just need to sit down for another two hours. I, I think there's stuff to do. There's, I, mean, I, I do think we need to slow down in life. But, uh, but I think there's stuff to do and there's people to see and there's encouragement to give. And there's, you know, there's, there's so much need in life and we have so much and we can give to that need. It's all about what we can do for one another. And when we do that, we find a settledness in our own hearts. Next, he he says, don't just warn those who are lazy, he says, but encourage those who are timid. Be someone who helps people out of themselves. Help those who think they can't do something to remind them they've got something to give. You can contribute, you do contribute to all that's going on. Encourage those who think they can't to let them know that they can. Then he says, take care of those who are weak. Don't abuse anybody. Don't push anybody down. Don't let anybody take advantage of you, but care for those who need caring for. You know, when we did the street party here, the Diamond Jubilee street party, we had a church member who was unable to come. Uh, She was housebound at the time, and um, uh, she was an older member of the church family, and I have a key to her house. We keep keys to certain people's houses in the church here. And um, she was unable to come, so... I piled a plate with scones and cream and strawberries and all, you know, all that sort of thing, and a cup of tea with a lid on. And what through. Some of you were quite abusive to me at the fact that I'd done that, but I did it for somebody else. And I walked down to her house, and I uh, let myself in and shouted, it's only Mark, and we went in, and I shut the door, and I said, I've come to deliver your cream tea. And uh, as I came out, her neighbor said, well, what's all this about then? delivering cream tea since we had this little conversation and I said oh we've got a party up in Ridley Avenue you can come and join us she said (laughs) her neighbour said I like the sound of a church that delivers cream teas to its neighbours so well that's the sort of church we are we are we're the sort of church that delivers cream care for those that's caring that's saying you're included you count you might not be able to be here but you count you're still important Care for those who are weak. When we're known as a church that cares for those in need, then we're witnessing to Christ, our sa- for, uh, witness for our Saviour Christ. Next, he says, be patient with one another. That doesn't need any explanation, does it? We've got to learn patience. Give each other a little bit of slack. Don't criticise. Allow one another to make mistakes. Offer forgiveness to one another. Know that each of us will make mistakes at times. Then he says, never pay back evil for evil. Try to do good to each other and be joyful. Always outdo one another in goodness. I love that. There's a little competitiveness in there. Always outdo one another in goodness. Find a way to outdo everybody else in goodness. Find a way to bless other people. Uh, I had the opportunity to be, be away with a few guys a couple of weeks ago and we went to a, a pub in the evening and we uh, were watching England-Ukraine um, football match and we got there just as it was about to start so 
we've got this table near the television and one of the one of the guys said well I'll just tell us what you want for food and I'll go and order it so he went to order it you see and I thought well I'll go when when it came to half time I thought well I'll go and go to the loo and then I'll pay you know so I went there and I said can I pay for the table and they said no no that all the food's already been paid for so I went oh okay I'll buy all the desserts so I decided I'll buy desserts get the desserts delivered and and uh, I got the desserts delivered at the same time. Oh, all these desserts delivered, you see. And then all these drinks came, like someone else had bought drinks. And it was like we were outdoing one another. It was quite fun uh, in the pub to outdo one another for a long evening. But it was it, 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 not just in that way. Outdo one another in goodness. What a lovely thing to do. What a lovely thing to do, to, to live a life uh, in that way. And when we do that... When we try to do that, when we live like this, then we will be, we'll know the joy of God in our hearts. And I think Paul had discovered this. I think this list of things that he gives, he discovered this. He said, this is how I live my life. And that's why he says, at the end of this, he says, I, I make sure this letter is read to all the brothers and sisters. I've discovered this goodness. If we live this way, we know something good of God in our lives. I've discovered it to be true. Just let everybody else know. Because in so doing, living in authentic community in that way changes our lives. But it's not just about us. He then says, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Never stop praying. I think the never stop praying and be thankful in all circumstances go together. A thankful heart will be a praying heart. To give time to prayer each day, praying for those in need, praying for those around us, that causes us to have a thankful heart. Pray for those you meet at work. Pray for those who seem stressed. Pray for those who might be angry. Pray for those who are tired. Pray for those who are going through difficulty. You don't necessarily need to tell them you're praying for them. Just pray for them. Just always pray for them. Be a person of prayer. And at time, if you are a person of prayer, God will give you opportunity to pray for them. God will give you opportunity for them to connect with you. Just be faithful in your prayer life. Prayer changes things. It changes things in us as well as changing situations. Prayer is that focused conversation with God that takes the focus off ourselves and puts it on to another. If we're praying we'll be more faithful. If we're praying, we'll be more thankful. If we're praying, we'll have a greater sense of purpose in our lives. If we're people of prayer, then we realize it's not about us and what we're able to do, but it's about God and what he's able to do. Be a person of prayer. And a person of prayer is thankful all the time. Start each day with a little list of thank yous. Thank you, God, that I can walk on carpet or Thank you, I've got a roof over my head and food in the cupboard. Someone I could easily speak to. I could pick up the phone, I could switch on the radio, I can turn on the television. Thank you for the local parks that we have, for the neighbours that I can call on, for a country where we can live in peace, for the provision of unemployment benefit, for the National Health Service. We were discussing as a family last night how probably... We've had as much other National Health Service as a family. And my brother, my son, was in 
A&E on Friday, which is why it came up as a discussion. Um, just, you know, how we're so grateful for that, that we don't have to pay for it all the time. It's there. And other people's taxes help that to be there. And thank you very much for that. But, that, you know, that we're, that, that's a gift to all of us. That's a gift to all of us, that it's there. And, and uh, those of you who've been to some of the uh, more challenging hospitals, like Great Ormond Street, and you've stood with families who are there, you're grateful you pay your taxes that pay for that service for those most in need and for those who receive that uh, service there. Be thankful to God. Be a person of prayer and live a thankful life. And then thirdly, he says this. He says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. You know, friends, the way to keep fresh with God is to keep open to the Holy Spirit. The way to keep fresh with God is to keep lives that are soft to God's will and God's way. And the way to do that is to be continually open to the ministry of the Spirit. We, we have ministry here every week, hey? And, um, uh, you know, we often give a little call for t- certain things. And, and, and I think it's good if we've got something in our life that needs prayer to come and someone can pray for us. Uh, I, I often go for ministry in, in different places and uh, I often have things to pray for, but But my most common prayer is, Lord, would you come and soften my heart? Would you ensure that I'm soft to your ways? Would you keep me close to you? And my prayer is, I just need more of God. Now, I think the more of God (laughs) is that we are able to live life, as Paul says, and give out to others. To see change come in life. It's not just about me. Lord, I want more of you. Thank you very much. Just more. That's great. It's not that. I want more of you. As uh, Abraham said, God said to Abraham, I'll bless you. Why? That you would bless others. I want more of you, Lord, that I can give to others. That my life reflects you more. My words reflect you more. My hearing reflects you more. My seeing reflects you more. My actions reflect you more. My priorities reflect you more. Come, Come soften my heart. That in some way this week, this day, this month, this year, I would reflect you more. I need more of your spirit. That I would constantly be open to who you are. Keep me on track with your purposes. Keep me passionate for you. Keep me faithful to your will. Help me live a life that honors you in all that I do. Ministry, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is really important. And as we receive that and people speak into our lives... We become more ready to be an authentic community. More ready to be a person full of prayer all the time. And more ready to be someone who retreats again and says, I need more of you. I need more of you that I can go and be authentic community to bless others. That I would remain a faith person, faithful in prayer. And I need more of you, Lord, that I can the authentic community so that we're continually living our lives that others would know the goodness of God.